the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. When you get busted, get out. You've probably heard the story of George Santos. He's the congressman elect from New York. He's been caught lying about everything, except maybe his gender. He might be lying about that, too. The one refreshing thing about it is that he's not denying that he lied, but he is out there telling voters that he's sorry and he promises he won't lie anymore if he can just stay in office, please. Well, who's buying that? And, of course, it's hilarious when people who love Elizabeth Warren or who love Bill Clinton or who loved Ted Kennedy, for example, are suggesting that Santos should resign for lying. Elizabeth said she was a Cherokee. Bill Clinton said he did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. And Ted Kennedy drove a woman into a pond and left her there to drown and then kind of fudged everything about that. And they not only kept their jobs, but they're Democrat heroes to this day. Here's the thing. When Bill Clinton got busted, he should have had the decency to spare the country the embarrassment and the torture that everybody had to go through and just left town, said goodbye. And if you're not shamed by being caught being uh, serviced under the Oval Office desk by an intern, that's a pretty good indication that you don't have any shame and that you're not to be trusted with anything. Santos should resign. He should have resigned five minutes after he was caught in all of his lies. The country will survive if someone other than George Santos represents his district starting on January 3rd. That's what politicians never seem to understand. Go away, and people will forget you in five minutes in most cases. And if he did resign tomorrow, nobody would remember him by money. But there are arguments going on in the media about whether he should resign. And, of course, Republicans are accusing the Democrats of hypocrisy, which is perfectly legitimate. But the Republicans should be saying it louder than anybody to George. Get out. And if they have to have a special election and the Republicans have to come up with another candidate to win in a highly Democratic district, as Santos did, then do it. And if they can't come up with a good candidate, shame on them. Bottom line, George Santos needs to get out of town. Anyway, when we come back, it's the end of the year. We're going to take a look at the media's performance with our media expert, Jeff McCall. And in our second half hour, how would you like to pay somebody $480 an hour to teach your kid or you how to talk on the phone? There are people who are doing it because lots of Gen Zs and Millennials, apparently, have something called phone phobia. Seriously. And we're going to talk to the woman who's trying to cure them. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people... It's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, They'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join. 10% off every month of next year. But it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings. Great health care. Find out more. Call now. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Here's a true story that might be described as Schindler's List meets the sound of music. I'm Isabel Vincent. My newest book is called Overture of Hope, Two Sisters' Daring Plan That Saved Opera's Jewish Stars from the Third Reich. 
In the 1930s, two British spinster sisters shared a love of the opera, and they made frequent trips to Germany and Austria to see their favorite singers. But many of these singers were Jewish, and with the rise of the Nazis, these performers faced almost certain death in the Holocaust that was coming. So what could two British spinsters do? Against all odds, they put together a plan to rescue more than two dozen men and women, getting them out of Germany and Austria and safely to England. Their clever schemes included using opera tickets to launder money. My book, Overture of Hope, details the life and death risks these two sisters took. Their surreptitious bravery and passionate commitment is amazing and inspiring. Overture of Hope by best-selling author Isabel Vincent is available now wherever books are sold. Hi, this is Dennis Prager. As you know, the culmination of my life's work has been writing my Rational Bible Commentary series. I have done Genesis, Exodus, and the just-released Deuteronomy. They are all called the Rational Bible because my approach is entirely reason-based. My motto is, if it doesn't make sense, I don't accept it. If you look up the 5,000 reviews on my Rational Bible volumes, you will see how many lives I have changed. Whether you are a Jew, a Christian, an atheist, or a member of some other religion, it doesn't matter. This speaks to your mind and your heart in explaining the most important books ever written, the Rational Bible. The latest is Deuteronomy, the most quoted book of the nation's founders. So if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift, even for someone with no faith, in fact especially, I recommend giving them my Rational Bibles. Go to PragerStore.com. You can buy them individually or as a complete set. All Rational Bibles sold in the Prager Store are autographed by me. Go to PragerStore.com. That's PragerStore.com or click the banner on my website. The bigger your 401k, the better your retirement, right? Wrong. The fact is, with proposed new taxes, another market crash, inflation, and rising healthcare costs, you could be forced to downsize your retirement. Discover the secret savvy investors are turning to for retirement security. A new 401k law that unlocks an ingenious retirement protection plan that could protect your savings from inflation and a stock market downturn while boosting your retirement income as much as 40%. It's all laid out in simple language in a new book from Josh Melberg. His insightful guide is your roadmap to retiring with confidence and it's yours free with one call don't risk a lifetime of work building your retirement this little known retirement protection plan could safeguard your wealth and boost your retirement up to 40 percent for your free copy of guarantee your retirement by josh melberg call now call 800-337-8051 that's 800-337-8051 800-337-8051 this is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we've come to the end of the year. I checked my radio talk show host manual. It says you have to do at least one segment looking back on the past year. So we talk about a lot of things here, but one of our favorite subjects has always been the media. And that's why Jeffrey McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University and a media critic for The Hill, is one of our favorite guests. He joins us a lot. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again, as usual. You're welcome, John. Great to be with you. So what kind of a year was it in general for the national media? Anything better this year than it was last year? Well, not particularly. I think the establishment media, as we like to call them, uh, are pretty consistent in their uh, mishandling of a lot of the different news items on the agenda. And, you know, we could go through kind of a potpourri of little missteps they've had that kind of crop up and then dissipate like uh for example uh you know they the, the media was all hot to cover the story about BYU students supposedly yelling racist insults at a duke volleyball player and that was hot for a while and then dissipated and uh we also had the NBC reporter who reported on uh, the limitations of John Fetterman as a candidate um and then was shunned by her own network uh, and also NBC, of course, having the reporter who was suspended for reporting presumably accurately about Paul Pelosi's situation. And so we have those kinds of things coming and going. Uh, and you might also mention that there was a time for a week or two when the, the national mainstream media was running all hot with monkeypox hysteria, which turned out to be nothing as far as we know now. And so I think we had those all kinds of little eruptions where we see, you know, people getting out of whack and you know, media exaggerating the importance of certain things or another. But I think in the broader scheme of things, uh, the two areas that I think the media has done a very poor job in covering for us as news consumers, number one is the economy, because I think 
they have the, the, the mainstream or establishment media have given too much credit uh, to the Biden administration for managing the economy when really all the indicators continue to be that the economy is not in very good shape. But if you listen to the news coverage on like the CBS Evening News or the Today Show or whatever, they keep talking about all the encouraging signs of the economy. And I'm thinking, well, it's almost like they're going to bat here to do promotion or PR or spin for the Biden administration. And they report everything that Karine Jean-Pierre says from the White House press office with a straight face as though it's accurate. So I think the, the mainstream media have given us a kind of a, a misconception or a warped perception, or maybe they're trafficking in misinformation about the state of the economy, which I think generally is still not very good uh, if you look at most of the financial signals and look at or listen to the financial experts who I would not consider to be living in the White House at the moment. Uh, and the other thing I think that they've misguided us on throughout the year, uh, and this is, again, we've talked about this before, but the journalism of omission because I think the mainstream media have done a very poor job of monitoring and reporting accurately the crisis at the border. That, you know, that is an ongoing, you know, extreme crisis that the mainstream media are not willing to cover with a straight face or accurately uh, because they, they've reported, uh, you know, accurately, but erroneously. And that's the funny thing is you can report accurately what a public official says but the public official is saying something that's ludicrous. So, for example, the news media reported, I don't know how many different times over the years, Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas, saying the border is secure. And everybody knows it's not, but he goes in front of a congressional hearing and says, oh, the border's secure. And NBC people are like, well, see, the border's secure. Mayorkas just said so. And it's like, wait a second, doesn't anybody have any skepticism here? Or doesn't any of you mainstream media people want to say, look, Mayorkas, you can say this, but we're not going to report it like this. We're going to put more context in it. And, uh, and, and also in terms of the border, you know, in 2021, there was that big flap with the border control uh, agents supposedly whipping Haitian immigrants. And then in the, uh, this last year, in the summer, in July, the Customs and Border Patrol Office came out with a report that concluded that those Border Patrol agents had not been whipping Haitians, and that barely got a blink in the news media. So I think it's kind of this one of those things where the news media is not going to do us uh, a sensible job covering the economy or the border. And so for American news consumers, if, if they rely on the establishment media, they are going to be uninformed generally on those two things. And that's why I would encourage people, and, and I, I presume your listeners already have enough sense to know this, to not rely on mainstream media for coverage of those two particular topics. No, I wouldn't. You covered a lot of things there. Hey, Mike, should should we try to uh, another line? And you're you're breaking up just a little bit, um, uh, Jeff. And I'm I'm going to have uh, you hang up, and Mike's going to try to call you again, see if we get a little better connection. It's not terrible, but it, I'd like it to be a little bit better. Can you hold That'd on? That'd be fine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, and it's interesting that uh, Jeff. I hadn't thought about this uh, as part of the conversation I was going to have. But Miss uh, uh, Jean, what's her name? Karine Jean Pierre. That I think she's pretty much. Is this her first year? Or is, I think she's she's been doing this for one year, and um, uh, I can't think of any better example of how pathetic media coverage is than her. She's not part of the coverage, but she's the she's delivering what's supposed to be, or at least responding to questions from the media she's like an intern so uh, uh, uh jeff we're gonna try again uh, welcome back i was yeah, just thank you. i was just saying while we were trying to get you that i can't th- you would you threw a, a reference in there to corinne um, uh, jean pierre i can't think of a better example of incompetence in the media and she she's not part of the media she but she is <laughs> like a conduit for the media, and she's a media representative. She's a communications person. I can't think of anybody who's ever been worse at it. And she's been in there for about the – this is. She, I think she's finishing her first year. Yeah, she's been in less than a year. Uh, and, you know, you and I both followed the media and uh, politics for a long time. 
Uh, and, and it saddens me to say this, but I agree with you that she might be the worst I've ever seen at the White House press podium over the years, uh, and, and partly because she has trouble you know, explaining things. Uh, but also I think she views herself as, a, as somebody who's going to manipulate the media. And I, I think that the, that's rather presumptuous of her to think that she can stand up there and say things that are patently off, off the mark. Uh, and and get away with it. Uh, the sad thing is that too often she does get away with it when, you know, you have the MSNBC reporting what she says. But I think that it really does a disservice to the nation. And I understand she has to speak, you know, the, the party line for the Biden administration, and I understand that. Uh, but there is a point, too, where you have to at least have some reality in the comments she says. And she's pretty much off the mark most of the time, and even, uh, and she has real trouble handling anything spontaneously. Almost every answer she gives, she is reading off her prepared scripts in her big notebook. Uh, and that's certainly not the kind of situation you want in a give and take of a press conference, which she does every day. Now, of course, one of the things is they have to have her out there pretty often because the administration is not going to put Biden out there to answer questions from the press. And for obvious reasons, because they can't count on him to keep his story straight either. Uh, but the bottom line is, she's really not much better in addressing issues than Biden would be if he were out there for himself. But I think that ultimately this does a disservice to the nation, uh, but it does a disservice to the media because it doesn't give them the kind of material they need to be able to cover stories uh, accurately. Uh, and sadly, too many of the mainstream media organizations are happy to just go along with the company line without doing any of the kind of hard work, enterprising scrutiny that needs to happen. Yeah, and if you're going to be out there to spin, you at least ought to be good at spinning. If you have a, a president who, who you obviously don't want to put out there because he's, well, everybody knows why, uh, but you would want to have a person out there who would be very impressive and authoritative and believable and credible and all those things and quick on his or her feet instead they they send out somebody who's absolutely totally incapable of uh, i hate to use this this uh, this reference it just popped into my head it's something that um johnny carson once said about chevy chase he said he 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 couldn't ad lib a fart after a baked bean dinner now that that's I she she's totally incompetent, Jeff. And in any other position that wasn't so public, she'd have been she'd have been I don't know about fired, but some they would have had a meeting. You know, Monday morning, I would have said, uh, uh, "Kareen, listen, we really like you and and all that, and we're going to find a job for you. But you're obviously you're just not cut out for this. You're not good at it. You're really bad at it. And we can't have you be our spokesperson. And and there she is. So she, because. So, she becomes the face of the administration. Right. And uh, she does a disservice to them even when she's got her facts correct in that she doesn't explain herself very well. Uh, so, and, and, and it just, you know, puzzles me to think that there isn't somebody in the White House or the Democratic administration uh, that could do a better job at that podium uh, and get the message out in a, better, in a way that better suits the needs of the media, but also us as news consumers and citizens who want to know what's going on in the White House. Well, they, they could throw names in a hat and pick one out, and it wouldn't be any worse, no matter who it is, because I don't think it's possible to be worse. Um, it's, it's amazing. I, have, uh, I don't want to run out of time here before I get a few more questions for you. Uh, we're talking to Jeff McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University, media critic for The Hill. So, Jeff, would you call CNN the biggest loser among the major TV news operations this year? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, CNN has been quite an interesting case study over the last year because they've been tremendously um, ineffective. Um, and their ratings show that they can't keep anybody to watch them anymore. Uh, they had some high-profile problems with Chris Cuomo and that sort of thing. They got rid of their media critic, Brian Stelter. Uh, they've unloaded any number of different people, uh, and, and for obvious reasons, they weren't performing well. Uh, they were ideologues in many regards, uh, and their ratings were terrible. Uh, now, of course, 
They've got a new president there at CNN, and he's trying to revise the operation and try to bring back some professional standards for them. But he's run into a lot of headwinds. Part of those are budgetary, uh, so they've had to uh, reduce staff and cut back on personnel. Uh, But part of it is (laughs) when they change their vision at CNN as they're trying to do now. And again, I'm I'm not convinced they're going to get there yet, uh, but they certainly are trying to be more of a news organization and less of a political organization. uh, Because Jeff Zucker, when he was the chairman of CNN, he made it a political organization. Uh, And that kind of worked for a while in the era of Trump, because a lot of anti-Trump people could come in there and watch CNN and be comforted knowing that they were going to attack Trump all the time. Uh, But Trump's been gone for two years. And so those viewers had drifted away, and CNN's ratings were going down the drain. And now that they're trying to get back to doing more, what, traditional-slash-professional news, they've lost all the hardcore leftists who used to watch CNN, including the people who used to watch Chris Cuomo uh, and Don Lemon in the evening, uh, but they haven't been able to, to convince enough other people out there to watch them to get more professional journalism. So they're kind of neither here nor there at this point, which causes their ratings to continue to collapse. And so CNN is a, is a real interesting case study because it'll be interesting to see if Chris Lick can turn that operation around. He's the new president of CNN because he's trying to make some decisive moves to try to move the news organization into the direction of news and not partisan opinion programming. Uh, and it, it, so far it has not caught on, and maybe because he hasn't cleaned house enough yet, because he, I'm sure he has a real challenge ahead of him to kind of undo the culture that has been in that news organization. You know, well, throughout the entire Jeff Zucker time, but even before then, they had a lot of entrenched people uh, who were hardcore ideologues and they had groupthink going on in that news organization in a way that's really hard to undo, uh, certainly within a year. So the CNN trajectory might take two or three years to actually play itself out to see whether they're going to pull this off or not. Elon Musk says he's going to expose corporate media. How will his uh, taking over Twitter impact media coverage between now and, well, next New Year's Eve, do you think? Yeah. You know, I think this is going to be a great story to watch in the coming year because Elon Musk is a disruptor, and he's taking on the establishment media uh, in a disruptive way because he's basically exposing them as ideological. He's exposing them as having not covered stories fairly. He's exposed them as colluding with the government and social media uh, to set agendas. And so he's coming in there and taking on the establishment media, and he, he apparently does not care that he's taking them on or that he's going to take a lot of return fire. But, you know, the, the, the media establishment, the, the, the mainstream corporate media, don't like it when people disrupt their happy little party of pushing their agendas and ignoring certain stories or being activists. Because, you know, conservative talk radio came around, and the left, left-wing media attacked it. Fox News came around, and the corporate media attacked it. Okay, now you've got Elon Musk turning a social media platform into something that's more of a, uh, of a public you know, uh, marketplace, and the media don't like that either. So there will be some battling going back and forth here, and there's even some talk now that Musk might try to acquire or take under his umbrella Substack, which is that independent online digital native news outlet where a lot of disgruntled reporters from other news organizations such as the New York Times have gravitated to to try to do enterprising, accurate reporting and hard-hitting, lengthy reporting in ways that is not done anymore by the mainstream media. And they're making big money doing it, some of them. They're making money, and if Musk can get Twitter turned around and if by somehow Substack comes underneath his umbrella... He's got the resources to, to really make a difference in the media world and hold the corporate media accountable and expose them uh, for the activists that they've become. Hey, uh, Jeff, I'm out of time. I, I know we'll have you on again many times next year. I really appreciate all the good uh, stuff you bring for us uh, often here, at least a couple times a month usually. And uh, I, I love having you on. I hope we see you quite a bit next year and have a happy new year. 
I'll look forward to it, and Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Okay, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. In Buffalo, the snow has ended. Now the concern is flooding from all that melting snow. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown said Wednesday was a busy day for cleanup in the city. We had over 450 pieces of equipment across the city plowing and hauling snow. We still have a ways to go, but we have come a long way in just a couple of days. A city travel ban for Buffalo has been lifted also. Pele, who many call the king of soccer, has died. He was 82. Since 2021, he had been undergoing treatment for colon cancer discovered during a routine medical exam. Pele has one of the most commanding sports figures of the last century. He won a record three World Cups with Brazil. This is SRN News. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's code S-A-L-E-M. Use code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. Cashback's not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Brandon Tatum sees nothing there again. Donald Trump and his tax returns. What a letdown. They do nothing but go after this man and nothing seems to stick and yield because they're not doing it in good faith. If you are attacking a person in good faith, I think there will be something that yields. But if you're doing it because of political expediency and you know ain't nothing there, I hope that you reap what you sow. The Officer Tatum Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. Whose rule book do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rule book and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Eric was way behind on his taxes. I owed a lot of money to the IRS, almost $15,000. I tried to make payments. The IRS wasn't satisfied with Eric's efforts, so they came after him full force. They're coming to put a lien and a hold on all my income, my home, my car. I was just overwhelmed at what to do. Then Eric called Optima Tax Relief. When Optima Tax got involved, the calls would stop. The threats will stop. It was easy like uh, one, two, three. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and their team of expert tax professionals took care of Eric's problem. I owe 15000 and now my debt is clean. I don't owe anything. Take Eric's advice. If you have a tax problem, you need to call Optima Tax now. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. A five-minute delay on the Parkway East inbound from Edgewood Swiss Vale to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. The Parkway East inbound also jamming up Stanwick Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound delays 885 to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. The Parkway West inbound barely moving. Poplar Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound delays Route 19 to Carnegie. 28 inbound. That's jammed the 31st Street Bridge to Chestnut Street. 28 outbound delays Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. I'm Ann Evans, and that's a look at your traffic. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. It'll be cloudy tonight with areas of fog and drizzle late below 44. 
Mostly cloudy but mild tomorrow, the high 55. Cloudy, mild again on Saturday with some showers. Could impact outdoor New Year's Eve celebrations. Saturday's high 50. A shower to start on Sunday, otherwise a cloudy day for New Year's. Sunday's high 46. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Rose Tamburino. Hey, I'm Andy. I started Harry's because I was frustrated with buying razors at the drugstore. And when I say frustrated, I mean like so upset I called my friend Jeff. Hello, this is Jeff. Jeff, I'm at the store, and I don't get why these razors... Cost so much? Yeah, and do they need to look like robots? Ah, uh, dude, I know, and it's so frustrating how expensive they are. Getting ripped off sucks. We gotta do something about this. Why don't we make our own high-quality razors at much better prices? Actually, I heard about this German razor factory that makes some really high-quality blades. Really? Okay, maybe that's not exactly how it went. But we did buy that German factory, where we're turning high-quality steel into super-sharp blades for a smooth shave at a great price. Seriously, as low as $2 per cartridge. Over the past 10 years, 20 million people have tried Harry's. Join them and get your starter set now. That's a five-blade razor, weighted handle, and shave gel, all for just 3 bucks with free shipping, backed by our quality guarantee. If you don't like it, it's on us. Just go to harrys.com now and enter code MODERN at checkout. That's harrys.com, code MODERN. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I've been saying for a while that the smartphone is one of the worst things ever to happen to the human race, mostly because it has meant billions of people are walking around the planet with their own personal video camera. But there's another problem with smartphones. Young people rarely talk on the phone anymore, apparently, and that's created something called phone phobia. That's where Mary Jane Cops comes in. She's the phone lady, and she joins us now. Mary Jane, thanks for coming on the show. Delighted to be here with you. Thanks. So how long have you been known as the phone lady? It'll be 17 years next week. Wow. And how did that come about, that you became the phone lady? It was kind of on a dare. (laughs) I I helped a friend build his software business uh, part-time, And when it was time for me to go back to working full time, he told me I needed to start a second company um, and teach people what I knew about talking on the phone. And my reaction was, that's crazy. This is just common sense. And he said, no, I'm pretty sure it's a company. And so he dared me to start it. And I printed off some brochures on a dot matrix printer and put them in the mail and uh, got three jobs right away. So his response was would be what I think most people would be, uh, what yours was, I mean, was m- what most people would be. What do you mean, talking on the phone? <laughs> Who needs to be taught how to talk on the phone? What's more simple exactly. than that? Yeah, exactly. I, I think we've, thought, we've always thought that it was an innate skill because, in my case anyway, I grew up in a house with a phone on the kitchen wall Mm -hmm. and you were taught how to answer that phone and communicate on that phone as a very young child, even before you went to school. Yeah. It's funny when you, Um, when you mentioned that, I think back, uh, I'm a baby boomer and we had one phone in my house. We didn't even have an extra phone. We had one phone that sat by the kitchen door and the entrance to the kitchen and there were five kids, there were lots of people using that one phone, and just the phone rang, you said hello, and you, and then if it wasn't for you, you said, hold on, please, and you gave it to the person who is supposed to get the call. What's become so complicated? Well, it, the, the house phone has more or less disappeared. Right. Um, we're all walking around with our own phones, and since the BlackBerry came into our lives in the 1990s, we have been talking with our thumbs. Uh-huh. We have been using our thumbs to text or send email. And so, yeah, we now have a generation or maybe two who have seen their parents communicate with their thumbs. They're not hearing phone calls. They're not hearing other people make phone calls, and they're not making phone calls. So what age group are we talking about? I guess uh, I, I think I saw in the story it's uh, Gen Z and millennials. So that's going back to, I guess, people close to 40, up to people in their teens and 20s. Well, yeah. So, I, you know, if the BlackBerry came in around the early to mid-90s, and uh, that's when this all started. But having said that, since email arrived in our lives, um, 
people who were more introverted have started using the phone less mm-hmm. uh, because they have the option of putting it on a screen and hitting send and moving on to something else and, and avoiding the back and forth of conversation. So it's now something called phone phobia, and that's what you treat. Give me an idea of what you do when you find somebody. Well, first of all, what is phone phobia? If you can describe what, what would qualify as that, and also what's your treatment look like? Well, phone phobia has actually always existed. It's not new. It, uh, I was surprised to discover it 17 years ago. It's a fear. A phobia is a fear, and it's a fear of either um, accepting or making phone calls. But I think what's changed in the workplace is that there are more people that are anxious when faced with either having to accept or make a phone call. And um, my clients tend to be individuals that are working for a company or working in a not-for-profit. And I also teach a lot of college classes as well uh, where communicating on the phone is vital to the work that they're employed to do. And so, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. So in terms of their fear or their anxiety, the first thing we do is have a conversation just like you and I are to see if we can figure out what they're really afraid of. And one of the most common things is that they're afraid somebody's going to ask them a question they can't answer. So if they because ask, of course, if, if they're asked, excuse me, but if, if they're asked a question by a text or v, uh, by email, they can go look it up at, on Google or they can go back to their, their file in their phone or on their computer and come up with the answer if it's a work-related question and right away. But if, if there's someone waiting on the other end of the line for a response by their voice, they get nervous that they don't know the answer and this person's going to think less of them? Yeah, the part of having this conversation with you is that we are thinking on our feet, right? Mm -hmm. We're responding to each other and so on. And so that whole process of not being able to look something up, write the reply, edit the reply, think about the reply, all of that is missing. And when you are starting to do it for the first time, it can be really uncomfortable, kind of like public speaking might be the first time you stand up in front of a group of people. This is really amazing. And we're talking to Mary Jane Copps. She's known as the phone lady, and she helps people with phone phobia and teaches people how to communicate on the telephone with something called their voice instead of their thumbs. Um, so it, this would seem, at, at first glance, it seems really ridiculous to someone like me who's been around a a phone for his whole life and been around the planet for a long time. But it's not ridiculous for somebody who's 25 years old and doesn't take phone calls. And all of a sudden they have a job where they're supposed to pick up the phone, call somebody, and then when they answer, carry on a conversation. It seems like the most natural thing for somebody my age or maybe your age, but not for a 25-year-old. Exactly. That, that's right. And it isn't only about the phone. Um, it's really about the skill to have a conversation in real time. And again, that wasn't something that we thought was a skill. We thought it was innate to us because we sat around dinner tables without phones or tablets. And we had big conversations in in a family setting. And that's not always happening for people anymore. So this isn't just about being able to communicate by phone. It's uh, uh, the ability to communicate, period. Without I some, believe so. Without... without by voice, you're, you're just by talking to someone, whether it's on the phone or in person, they, there's actually yeah. this is something that's is this a thing now? And I, you're by the way, you're, we're talking to you from Nova Scotia, just so people know. If they didn't pick up on the word process, they should have picked up that you're <laughs> you're, you're Canadian because uh, I, I I noticed it right away. But uh, the, but is this, this is is this actually a thing? But going on beyond your business that you're doing and and charging people money to do this and and doing it for a living? 
Well, I think so. I think if you, you may have read or experienced restaurants or bars that have baskets at the door where people have to drop their phones there Mm -hmm. in order for this establishment to know that their patrons are talking to each other. So what technology, every advancement we make has an unintended consequence. And for technology, for texting, email, the, the, the backlash is the unexpected consequences. We're talking to each other less. Where do most we're of your... writing more, mm-hmm. but we're talking less. Where do yeah. most of your clients come from? It's a really wide range. So as I've mentioned, I do a lot of not-for-profit work, but uh-huh. I also uh, teach in front of, co- of college and university classes. I work with a ton of startups who have to make calls for discovery and, and for sale. And I do a lot of work in the financial sector as well. Um, and I do customer service as well. So I work with dental offices and um, legal offices, all kinds of places. So does a, does a, just as an example, does a dentist call you and say, hey, listen, I'm having trouble with my employees. They don't know how to make phone calls or they're, they're struggling and they don't like to do it or they're afraid to do it. And they say, can you help them out? I mean, how do you get a, a customer? Yeah, um, the, over 50% of my customers are repeat customers, customers that have come to me um, in previous years and come back. And then another 40% are referrals. So only about 10% tend to be brand new to me. But yes, just before Christmas, I heard from a dental office and she's saying, you know, uh, when the phones get busy, and, and which they are all the time, my staff don't know how to handle it. And customers are saying that they really feel people are being rude to them. So, yeah, as, there you it, go. But is it more the, the head of the dental office calling you, or how often you get individual people calling you as though you're a psychiatrist, and they're saying, listen, I'm, I really I have a big problem talking on the phone. You've you got to help me. There's a, a percentage that would be individuals, but they do tend to be people who are in a a well-paying sales job, but where their revenue depends on commission and paying me for my time helps them grow their business or their book of business. So it's not that a student who's 25 would ever call me. That would be really, really rare. And are adults, I, I wasn't aware of this, and I don't have any kids in the house anymore. I have grandkids, but are are. How many people are aware of this, that this is a problem? I'm talking about people who don't have it themselves. Because as I said, right. this, this on first glance is, what do you, what do you mean you've got to train people to talk on the phone? But I, I would think that most people have that reaction in a certain age group. I think so. But, uh, you know, I mean, um, one of the examples I've given you, the the person that I worked with one-on-one was 28 and it was the CEO of the company who called me because they, this person was really good at their job, but they were crying all the time because they, they had such anxiety every time the phone rang. Wow. That's pretty scary actually that someone would be out in the world at 28 years old and the, the, the sound of a phone ringing causes them great anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So this wasn't where, you know, 17 years ago, I wouldn't have said that mm-hmm. phone anxiety would become what it is today, but it has. And my clients have said, we need you to help us with this. So that's what set me on this particular path of creating ways to uh, combat phone anxiety. Before the smartphone came along, 50 years ago even, uh, there, there were, I'm sure that companies had to in, help their, their employees, bosses had to help their employees with their phone etiquette. Maybe they overheard them making a call and they said, listen, you got to do this or that. So it's, it, there's always been a, way to, a, a good way to do it and a bad way to do it when you're on absolutely. the phone and you're working for business, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my first jobs in university was uh, working as a receptionist in a real estate office. So I'm going back to the early 80s. And 
there was a trainer that came through Toronto that what they taught was phone etiquette. So, you know, when it was your job, there were always sort of rules or guidelines or skills that you needed. Um, but we've moved so far away again from having conversations on the phone that it's impacting every kind of job, whether it's somebody in a bank that needs to make outbound calls to clients or whether it's the person answering the phone at the vet clinic or the dental clinic. But is it, I guess I've asked you this before, but I'm just trying to get at, is it more a business thing than it is a personal thing? For me, it is. Yeah. That's how my business is structured, is that it's businesses that tend to call me, for and, sure. And how do these people who have phone phobia feel about doing a Zoom call? It depends on the person. Um, but I think the pandemic changed all that. So for a while, there was reservation about getting on camera, but I think we've all moved past that now. So is it would it possibly be better for someone who who has this issue if they can see the person they're talking to or worse? Yeah, for no, for some people, it's the body. It's not having body language that freaks them out. So they are better if they can get you on a camera. They start to relax a little bit. How many of the people that you talked to were not aware that they had a problem until maybe their boss came to them and said, listen, you're really bad on the phone? Oh, 100%, I think, right? Um, uh, either they didn't know it was a skill, and often their boss didn't know it was a skill till they had this employee and realized, wow, they can't talk on the phone. So I, it continues to surprise people. I'm making it sound like it's not a surprise, but only because I'm right in the midst of it. So it's not a surprise to me anymore. Well, where where can people go to find out what you're doing? You have a website? I do, and it's really straightforward. It's thephonelady.com. <laughs> That's pretty simple. I was thinking about hanging up on you, but I, I, I'm not going to do that. Is that... <laughs> That wouldn't be polite, but um, I really... No, but... <laughs> Go ahead. This was a delightful conversation, and I really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, and good luck with the business, and I've, I've been enlightened. This seemed ridiculous to me, but what you're saying makes <laughs> tremendous sense. It's sad to me, but it makes tremendous sense. Well, thanks so much. I'm, I'm really glad to have shared the time with you. Okay, thank you. We'll be right back. That's Mary Jane Copps, the phone lady. Since 1987, Choices Pregnancy Services has supported women by empowering, educating, and equipping them to make informed life choices. This is Sebastian Gorka. Last year, they saved nearly 300 babies rescued from abortion. Mothers and fathers' lives were changed through the love of Christ, without coercion, without judgment, and all of it without government help. Your tax-deductible gift today will help Choices continue to provide these services at no cost at their Pittsburgh area centers and mobile clinics. Won't you join us? A one-time gift of $35 provides pregnancy testing and counseling. $125 provides an ultrasound with counseling. $465 covers the operating cost of one clinic for a day. And $1,200 covers a month's worth of gas for two mobile clinics. Do it today. Call 724-457-1220 or give at choices-4-life.org. Hey, have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you go to use it, it's not very absorbent? It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry? Well, that's why my pillow has developed the MyPillow towels. Towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you? Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now, you can get a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code STAG. Go to MyPillow.com right now, click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, and they have their 60-day money-back guarantee. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set off MyPillow Towels, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special, and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. That's 800-716-8087, or just go to MyPillow.com, promo code STAG. Of all the questions you get asked every day, this one you shouldn't ignore. 
How much money in your 401k or IRA is actually yours? Not what its current value is, but how much of it will end up in your pockets, not the government's. Remember, you still might owe taxes on that money, so make sure you aren't overpaying. Keep every dollar you're entitled to. Look, I know it's confusing, it's complicated, and it definitely isn't fun. That's why at the Synergy Group, we work with tax professionals to help make sure you aren't paying more in taxes than your fair share. It's your money. You deserve to know what's at stake. Call our team at the Synergy Group today for your complimentary tax analysis. 412-673-7760. Don't do the IRS any favors. 412-673-7760. Securities offered through JW Cole Financial. Member FINRA SIP. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial and J.W. Cole Advisors are not affiliated with the Synergy Group Incorporated. Neither the firm nor its agents or representatives may give tax advice. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Hey, so got about a minute and a half here. I just want to let you know about something I'm going to do tomorrow. As I said at the beginning of our first segment, I, I checked out the talk show host manual and it says you have to do end of the year stuff but also this friday is the day before new year's eve and it's also the day before the 50th anniversary that's tomorrow of course it's the day before the 50th anniversary of the death of roberto clemente so tomorrow for the pretty much the entire show i'm going to replay an interview i did with a guy named uh, luis mayoral he's a Puerto Rican sports writer, just a guy. He's a baseball guy. He's been around baseball for like 50 years. And he was a very, very good friend of Roberto Clemente and not a a friend the way some media people are friends with the people they cover. He was a friend, a really good friend of Roberto Clemente. And some of the stuff he talks about is just really great stuff you probably haven't heard before. And so that's going to be the entire show tomorrow at least 90% of it anyway. I wanted to make sure you knew that. It's a repeat from a few years ago, but this guy is very much uh, worth listening to, especially a day before the anniversary of that. So that's just, uh, I guess, what they call a program reminder. Tomorrow, right here on this very radio show, you will hear someone who was very good friends with Roberto Clemente. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.